You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host. I'm riding solo today. No Alex to join us, unfortunately. But uh, as I say, on his behalf and mine, thank you so much for taking time and joining us today. Our show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. We would love for you to follow us on our social sites. Social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. And do feel free to email us at thh at Radio Maria. And we would love for you to to subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, and your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. I think you're really going to enjoy our guest. I know I did, and it was a real treat for me to talk to Tiana, um, quite an athlete, quite um, quite a, a real mover and shaker when it comes to, to women's health and certain areas of women's health. Um, Tiana is a physical therapist and facial strength therapist and specializes in movement therapy, helping her clients improve strength power and achieve functional independence. Tiana's movement experience range from intensive classical dance training and teaching, strength training, Olympic weightlifting, professional wrestling, and aerial acrobatics. She's done a lot in her short life. Recently, Tiana has become particularly interested in helping women understand how training and eating well can positively influence their mood and life. As well, Tiana has been treating concussions since 2014, integrating functional neurology, visual oculomotor exercises, oculomotor exercises, and advice on evidence-based supplementation. Tiana received her Bachelor of Science Specialized Honors in Kinesiology from York University right here in Toronto and her Master's of Science Applied Science in Physical Therapy from McGill University. She has completed numerous courses and certificates to utilize various tools in treatment, including facial stretch therapy, evidence-based acupuncture, applied kinesiology, muscle activation, myofacial release, myo uh, sorry, microcurrent therapy, and more. Tiana believes that uh, the key to health is a trifecta, movement, nutrition, and mental health. Health is subjective. An individual can be healthy. However, optimal health is maximizing one's potential. And she currently resides in Los Angeles, California. A wonderful conversation. Just we had a great, we had a great time chatting. 
some of the things we'll cover. Um, to be perfectly frank, uh, when I first approached Tiana, it was to be here to talk about concussions, but I got so interested in uh, Olympic weightlifting and, and her, her bent and why she uses this in practice that we, we focused on this for, for this conversation. Um, we're going to talk about what exactly Olympic weightlifting is, misinformation and benefits of weightlifting for women, and why weightlifting can be a great addition to women's health goals. Please do stay tuned. Uh, she's a wonderful guest and we had a wonderful conversation. Everybody will be back in a few minutes to talk to Tiana Ringer. Another heartbreak day Feels like you're miles away Don't even need no shade When your sun don't shine Shine. Too many passing dreams Roll by like limousines It's hard to keep believing When it pass you by and by I know your heart been broke again I know your prayers ain't been answered yet It ain't over yet, it ain't over yet, so Promises I never will forget. I never will forget. So hold on, hold on. The Lord ain't finished yet. Hold on, hold on. He'll get you through this. Hold on, hold on. These are the promises I never will forget. I never will forget. I know your heart been broke again. I know your prayers ain't been answered yet
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everyone. As mentioned, today's show with Tiana is being recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. We'll give you all of her information uh, when the podcast comes up. So if you want to reach out to her, you certainly can. And as a reminder, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC. And I guess that's it because I've already mentioned everything already. So Tiana, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Kathy. I'm doing very well. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. I'm very excited about our conversation. Quite the CV you have here uh, with all of your the weightlifting and the aerial acrobats. Are you still involved in all of these sports or have you kind of, has your body said we're, we're backing off a bit? Um, that's funny. I, I'm actually, I'm still involved in the weightlifting. I'm not involved in the aerial sports right now, not because of my body, but because of COVID. Um, so if it was up to me, I would still be doing the aerial acrobatic stuff, but it's, it's just not possible right now with the closures. So when it comes to Olympic weightlifting and all of your, your, um, your athletics, how did you get to this point? What, what got you interested in becoming set? And you're a tiny little thing too. So when we're talking about weightlifting, we're not talking, I'm, I'm telling you everybody, she's not this great, big, bulky person and we'll talk about that um but you're obviously in great shape how have you always lived your life this way what were your inspirations yeah so um weightlifting specifically funny story the the short end and and i'll get into how i got into it um the olympic weightlifting specifically i discovered because i was working at a sport medicine clinic in toronto um, with dr gallia who has some amazing practitioners working for him and one of which was dr dave ablock and i overheard him talking about uh, sport and nutrition. And he is a brilliant chiropractor and strength and conditioning coach. And he invited me out to do uh, some Olympic weightlifting with him training in the morning. But the caveat was that you had to be there for 6am. <laughs> and he already struck my interest with talking about eggs and cholesterol that I'm like, okay, this guy knows something. I'm going to go train with him. Um, it was a couple of times, um, watching him train before I actually like really got into in, into the Olympic weightlifting, I realized that it was a tool to make myself stronger and more powerful. And at the time I was doing a lot of the aerial acrobatics. And so I used the Olympic weightlifting as that tool to make myself more powerful for the acrobatic stunts. I realized just within six weeks of training with him, my, my upper body strength was where it, somewhere it never was before. I was never a gymnast. Um, I, was, I was a ballet dancer prior. And so my upper body strength really wasn't as developed as someone, let's say, who was a gymnast where you need that upper body power in the acrobatic sports. Um, and so the Olympic weightlifting was just a perfect adjunct to what I was doing. And, you know, I continued to train. And now we're looking at five and a half years later of training with Dr. Ablock anywhere between mostly four days a week, sometimes only two, depending on my schedule, and really um, getting into all of the benefits that it has to offer. Uh, like you said, it was, um, it, I, I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm big or bulky at all. I, I do have muscle on my body, but um, you know, I'm five, four and a half, and uh, I, I train using heavy weights, but the difference is learning how to use those weights to um, 
make your body the way you want it to be rather than it, it getting away from you. I, get, I think some people have a misconception. Um, so yeah, and besides that, I was, I, I've always been athletic, going from dance to uh, different athletic sports in my career. Now it's been focusing on the Olympic weightlifting right now during COVID. So you're a, you're a Toronto girl, um, and you're tr- where else have you lived? Uh, are you transitioning back and forth to Toronto, or yeah, wh- what I, is I'm, your? Yeah, born and raised in in Woodbridge, Ontario, um, and from just outside Toronto, and lived in Toronto um, for about in the city of Toronto for about five years. Prior to that, I actually I I did live um, out in Montreal for five years. Uh, that's where I did my master's in physical therapy. And then I stayed out there and uh, worked as a physical therapist. That's where I got into the aerial acrobatics. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Montreal is actually the center of it for Cirque du Soleil. That's where they have their training centers. Um, so I think it, the acrobatic culture, it's really funny. It's really big in Montreal. A lot of kids do what I've learned in, in like elementary schools and high schools. They take like trapeze classes during, um, during their secondary schools. Um, and then besides that, and so after Montreal, I moved back to Toronto, I lived in downtown Toronto, and I am currently resi- residing in Los Angeles, California. So and what took you to Los Angeles? Uh, a relationship that went okay. south. Oh, <laughs> literally, no. literally and figuratively. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I walked into that. Sorry about that, Tiana. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? It was it was a perfect transition for me. Um, there's a reason why I'm still here. I've met some. I have met some incredible people being here in LA. Which is um, for anyone who's ever tried to move to LA or been in LA. The big thing, especially for someone like me who's an expat, is that good luck finding good people. And um, I think I live my life believing in 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 good energy and manifestation that. I have had nothing but great experiences here. And so, I, yeah, I, I've, I'm still here. <laughs> okay. The relationship. For, for, for different reasons, but you're still there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just want to clarify something. When you say Olympic weightlifting, did you actually compete in the Olympics? No. So Olympic weightlifting, and I get that question all the time. Um, and I feel, I feel great. I'm like, Oh, Olympics, but, but no, (laughs) um, for Olympic weightlifting, it is called Olympic weightlifting because that is the style. Um, I am really sorry to Olympic weightlifters out there. I don't know the history as to why it's called Olympic weightlifting and I'm not going to try to guess, um, but the Olympic weightlifting is um, designated to the clean, the snatch and the jerk. So you have the clean and jerk movement, which, which, which are two movements, um, both of which you're, and, and then you have the snatch and both movements, you're picking the weight up off the ground and you're eventually putting it in the air over your head. Um, so the clean and jerk and the snatch are the main movements around Olympic weightlifting and then everything else outside of that. So we do train all the accessory movements, which are the movements that help you get strong. So those include your, what people would designate as powerlifting movements, like your, your back squat, your bench press and your deadlift. So we do train all of those movements. And then we have all the other accessory movements like uh, your Romanian deadlifts, Bulgarian split squats, where it's pushing sleds. So we, we integrate a lot of strength and conditioning 
um, around centered around these movements to get you stronger, more powerful, and and increase your technical prowess at Olympic weightlifting. So you've sort of taken what you have been practicing with the Olympic weightlifting, and you are really giving it an interesting spin because you want women to understand where this can fit into a health piece for them. And there are still, I would imagine, a lot of women who shy away from weightlifting for various reasons you might want to go over. But what's your passion in showing women, um, you know, air quotes, the power of, of, of lifting? in their health. Yeah. I like that. The power of lifting. Um, <laughs> that this is, this is my passion. Um, it, it really is showing women what they can achieve. And one of the tools I, I make it apparent that Olympic weightlifting is a tool to help women and, and most women get to these goals that they have in their life, whether it be a, a physical goal um, of, of moving better, feeling stronger, um, even looking better. And I often say looking great is it's secondary to working out and working out properly and having good nutrition. And that was something I learned from my coach. Um, my passion with this is that um, all too often we are, and, and we've been inundated with social media, even more so now with what um, society says women should look like. And, you know, I grew up with my mom working out. She was, uh, I'm not going to say a fitness fanatic, but she was always active. She was teaching aerobics classes, step classes. We had the Jane Fonda workouts. We had the thigh master at home. We had Thai bow when it was a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I've been in the gym industry for a very long time. My mom had those muscle mag magazines, muscle and fitness. And you're seeing these photos of what society constantly portrayed that women should look like, but no one understands that, well, first of all, a lot of people don't understand how Photoshop all of those photos are and how a lot of these women don't look like that all of the time. But the second part of it is no one really dove into what should women feel like. Um, and I find now working as a physical therapist and as a strength coach, most women above the age of 30 years old just want to be strong. They, they want to have their independence back. They want to feel like they felt when they were in their teenage years running around soccer ball or playing sports um, or, or even, you know, for me, dancing. And what I found, you know, the passion didn't just all of a sudden appear one day. The passion came up because of my own experiences. Um, I was a ballet dancer for from the time I was three years old. And I continued to dance and train until I was 26. And... I didn't like I was weightlifting, I was doing bodybuilding, but it wasn't the same. When I got into Olympic weightlifting, I started at 29 years old. Um, I realized, you know, soon after that, I was more flexible. I had more power. I would go back to a dance class. I was jumping higher. My splits were better. And I, this is talking at, you know, between the ages of 32 and 35. Um, usually your flexibility goes away at that age, you know, but I was actually maintaining and actually getting better than when I was training those long hours as a young dancer. So that is what opened my eyes to everybody needs to be doing this mm -hmm. from, you know, it doesn't matter 
what the sport is. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. Olympic weightlifting is a tool to make you the best possible version of yourself because our lives as human beings, we, we revolve around movement. If you can't get out of bed in the morning because your back hurts without doing some exercises, there's something wrong. If taking your first few steps in the morning, you know, you're aching, creaking, you're afraid your back might go out, there's something wrong. And, and this is the level of um, injury that I deal with on a daily basis, where I'm taking now a functional movement, like a, a whole body movement pattern, like Olympic weightlifting. And you don't have to lift heavy weights. It can start with a broomstick and activating muscles in such a pattern that I'm seeing immediate results, like immediate as in within the, the 30 minute or one hour session with my clients, I am not only taking away pain, I'm increasing mobility, I'm uh, improving their confidence of movement. Now, you know, it, it doesn't stay for very long if they don't practice it. But it, it is a, it has been such a powerful tool that I'm looking at this thinking like, you know, everyone needs to have some, some aspect of this in their life, especially because we're dealing with a population that is, is, you know, aging and not being very active, a very sedentary population. So many questions have popped up to my mind. Um, okay. Number one, um, do you get cardio benefit when you're training with these people? And number two, um, it, 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 you've taken everything that I would have thought weightlift because I, I lifted um, as well. It wasn't the Olympic weightlifting. It was, it was weights. Um, I got up to what I thought um, for some deadlifts were, were pretty good. I had trouble with other lifts because I have sore knees. Um, and I found that my flexibility went the other way, number one. And number two, which is just, a okay, number two was, this seems a very specialized area. Like I, I can't even, and I'm in sort of the health industry. I can't even think of a place that uh, offers this sort of type of therapy, physical adjunct to health. Um, where do we find people like you? Sure. I will, I will go through uh, each one of those things. So first it was the cardiovascular. So cardiovascular um, working the heart, um, you will get cardiovascular benefit from the heart rate variability that you get in weightlifting. Um, you are training your heart to work real hard with a, or we'll say the word compound movement or full body movement, where you need to integrate, um, you know, your feet, your, your legs, your back, you need to tighten up your back, your core, your arms, your neck, like everything all the way to your eyeballs fixating on a point on the wall in front of you. Um, that all takes concentration and every single muscle is going to be contracting in some way. So it's using blood. Your brain is working. So that's using blood. And the way we get blood around to the body is with, with our heart. And so, um, there's a lot of heart rate variability when we actually perform the movement. So let's say, uh, let's use a deadlift or, or a back squat, and then we'll go more complex. So a deadlift or a back squat, still using all of those components, um, you do five to eight deadlifts or back squats, you'll feel your heart rate raise, and then you need to stop depending on how much weight you're lifting. 
And then you need to rest, let your heart rate come down, and, and then we go back to it and repeat it. And so we're getting many different benefits there. From a, but from a cardiovascular benefit, we're teaching our heart to um, uh, extru- to expel a lot of blood volume to get to the body uh, quickly, and then and then calm down. And so that is something that we are our bodies will adapt to, and is important when, say, for example, we're in you know a fight or flight situation where we need to go from rest and relax to up and running and going a great example i'll use our firefighters actually because i've worked with them for a number of years and and i actually implicated implemented olympic weightlifting with them and different forms of training to help them uh, train their hearts in this manner um, now you take a more complex movement like a clean and jerk or a snatch where you're you are not only lifting the weight up you're putting it on over your head you're putting it on a front rack position and you're jumping in the air and landing at the bottom in in a in a stabilized as stabilized position as you can um, that is going to use even more blood volume so your heart needs to start pumping even harder um, a cool story about uh, my coach and one of his um, uh, athletes, uh, Jill Halligan, who is a, I think she's like 14 time national level Olympic weightlifter in the women's division. Um, and she's been training with my coach. And she's a phenomenal athlete. Um, he would say that they at one time measured her heart rate after five clean and jerk at 75%, her heart rate got up to in the 220 beats per minute. Okay. And then, and then it comes down and you need to train yourself. This is the cool part where we can actually integrate breath work to train yourself to bring your heart rate back down. And and you can actually, um, this is something that I've been getting, I'm just going to digress for a little uh, small moment here. I started getting into this more recently, um, breath work and uh, a specific uh, program, uh, the Art of Breath and Shift Adapt, uh, Brian McKenzie, who has been teaching me how to control my breath to become metabolically more efficient, but also how to control my heart rate. And so that's been integrated into the training. So the cardiovascular benefit is real. From um, people's idea of of cardio in making your heart stronger you do not get the endurance training component from it that's where you would have to do your own you know endurance training whether that's cycling or running or swimming to get the prolonged use of your heart um, from from that type of training so that that you don't get but you do get the uh, elevation and depression of the heart rate throughout the training session Fascinating. We're going to take a quick break, Tiana. We're going to come back. I want to touch again on the flexibility piece. I find that very interesting. Um, So everyone will be back in a minute to talk to Tiana. I'm gonna move. 
You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking to Tiana Ringer. We're talking about Olympic weightlifting. We've only got uh, halfway through the show. We've had so much information already. I want to spend the second half, Tiana, talking about, I, I would like you to address the flexibility thing, because that's a personal interest of mine, because I, I found when I was doing yoga, and then I went into the gym and started lifting weights, the yoga suffered, because I felt so tight. Um, so maybe address that. And then I really want to have people understand how you're using this passion of weightlifting or Olympic weightlifting into your professional life, into therapy. So let's start off with a flexibility piece. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so the flexibility piece, this is, this is where I'm getting excited now. <laughs> my, <laughs> like my, my body's tingling because this is a, a question and an area that comes up so frequently when people come to see me. Um, my, now, now, my experience and knowledge base is, has been very specialized. Um, I like to say that, you know, I go after when I'm into something, I go after the best of the best. And I, I really, truly believe that I've been blessed to be exposed to the best people in in um, in what they do and the key to that is that they're always learning and always asking questions and they, they resort a lot to science so the reason I say that is when it comes to the flexibility when it comes to uh, movement and, and you mentioned you know sore knees sore I know some people say they don't deadlift because they have a sore back mm-hmm. it comes down to technique my um my catch, my, my, my mantra when it comes to deadlifts and squats for anyone, I tell them, let me teach you how to deadlift so you will never hurt yourself again. And I am so confident when I say that, and let me teach you how to squat so you'll never hurt yourself again. I am so confident when I say that because it all comes down to not just saying the right technique, but also demonstrating and having the eye to be able to pick this out vertebra by vertebra, ankle dorsiflexion. So that means bending your ankles forward, knees, um, a lot of... A lot of people in the fitness industry have been um, surrounded by information. Like, for example, you should never let your knees pass your toes. Okay. And this is the prime reason why people get sore knees is because they don't let their knees pass their toes. So now I'm pulling from my physical therapy. 
The reason you need to let your knees pass your toes, let me just go into this part. I was a ballet dancer since from three to 26. I've never had knee problems. And if, for anyone who knows what a grand plie is, we do thousands of them. And what that is, is when you go all the way down into a deep squat where you're on your toes, you lift your heels off the ground. So your knees are, are way past your toes. In fact, in my undergrad, we studied dance science and we, we realized that there's about 600% of your body weight in your knees at that point. But... It doesn't matter because our tendons and the way our bodies are designed, they're meant to take that load. Now, it depends how you go into that load. So if you are going to be bouncing through a range of motion, bouncing at the bottom of your squat, bouncing at the bottom of a deadlift, you will for sure injure your tendons and create knee problems. The understanding the science of how muscles work and how the body works, if you can control the movement down into a squat or down into a deadlift and you allow your ankles to bend, now you are using all the muscles on the lower body, on the lower leg, meaning below the knee, to help stabilize your foot properly, which also stabilize your knee. So we have all these muscles that cross one joint, two joints, and they create stability in our bodies, which people forget about. So when you tell someone, I want you to deadlift, but your weight is going to be in your heels, or I want you to squat, but your weight is going to be in your heels, you take the weight out of the, the forefoot, which is where all of our muscles in the foot travel to and our tendons attach to, and our weight needs to be over those tendons in order for them to activate and create stability. But for a okay, lot of I need people, to stop yeah. you right there because is yeah. that why my heel is on fire? Likely, yes, because <laughs> you're probably not stabilizing through your forefoot. You're using a lot of gastrox and your Achilles is on fire and your soleus. So um, you, you could try this right now, Kathy. So stand, if you want, you can stand up and you go into, and everyone else can try this. You go into a squat or a deadlift position You do it the way you like, where your weight feels like it's back in the heel. And now this could also be the error of coaches not seeing this. They may say, keep your weight planted in, in the foot with your heel down, but they don't see that the person who's taking that cue is actually too far back into their heel. So now bring your weight a little more forward. You keep the foot flat, the heel down, but now your weight travels more towards the ball of your foot. Mm -hmm. So you still have three points of contact, but from what you are used to doing to now, your weight feels like it's more forward. Right. I mean, we're always told, put your weight in your heel. Always. I, yeah, I, I never say that. Um, only if you're doing a Romanian deadlift or it depends on the exercise. If I want someone to activate more through their hamstring or more through a, a glute depends, it, it, you know, I, I, I've taken so many courses. I break the body down into, into, into it's physics, it's mm -hmm. levers and resistance. And so depending on what I want the person to do, if someone had knee osteoarthritis, I may tell them to put their weight further back in their heel if it's pretty severe, but I've actually taught, I actually, so many people I've taught with knee away how to split squat, lunge, squat, and deadlift, and their knees are going past their toes, and they are fine. They're actually better than when they came in. Now, and this is person dependent, okay? This right. is individual dependent. And you've just opened up uh, another subject I want to get onto, because when you're talking about um, working with people in therapy, I mean, you're bringing this into your physiotherapy practice, right? We'll get into how you're doing that. 
you're getting people. So if I came in to see you, Tiana, I would say, okay, I have a frozen ankle because I broke my leg and it was in a cast for a very long time. I have knee issues and, and, you know, am I able to still do this or is this, you know, getting down into full squats? Is this um, an activity for people whose joints are just hunky dory? Mm-hmm. Um, I use a lot of aspects of Olympic weightlifting in my therapy, because again, it's a functional movement and just quickly tying the foot, the foot is the base and is the foundation of everything. So the way you'll get more flexible and less sore is by having proper form and technique because it opens up all your joints. So if I have someone, I actually have uh, someone that I'm treating who has, who has that exact scenario. Um, it will take time to regain range of motion. Again, this is person dependent, depends if you have any plates and screws, depends if there's any uh, bony overgrowth, usually not. And if there is not, then I would say, yes, we can get you to almost 100% of your range of motion and strength. It would take time. It will take up to anywhere one to two years, but it takes consistency. Mm-hmm. And the way I do that is I actually use, and this is where people get scared because I'm like, I'm going to use Olympic weightlifting and people are like, what? <laughs> um, but remember, you know, Olympic weightlifting is just the movement. It doesn't have to be with weights over your head. I can use a broomstick or a dowel and teaching, first teaching people how to weight bear on their foot properly to get them out of their heel. Then, you know, with a fractured ankle, you're definitely going to have reduction in dorsiflexion, which again is the ankle bending. And you're going to be hesitant to weight bear in the front of your foot because your muscles are weak. Mm-hmm. Your muscles are probably going to be very tight as well. And one thing that I think the population needs to remember is a tight muscle and a weak muscle are the same thing. Interesting. So people who complain of, of, of tight hamstrings, it's like, yeah, but they're also weak. People who complain of, um, you know, a tight back, it's because their core is weak. And if we can teach them how to move more functionally, more appropriately to stop um, utilizing the muscles in the wrong pattern, that's where they start to move better. And that's where I use, you know, um, a front squat, for example, in, in clinic. I can't tell you how many of my clients are front squatting and deadlifting. Um, and they get better, faster. And it, it is a different take on physical therapy. Um, you definitely, like I said, you have to have the eye for it um, to have someone see exactly what's going on. And it's not impossible. There are, you mentioned like this is a specialized thing. Yes, it's specialized. Yes, I know how to do it. But there are a lot of other people out there who know how to do it. Probably not as many people who know how to teach you how to run or cycle. Um, but there are coaches out there. Um, for example, you know, in the Toronto area, I can think of uh, three offhand. There's uh, Dr. Dave Ablock, who's in the West End of Toronto. Um, he, he has a website, thesteelmachine.com. You have Jill Halligan, Jillian Halligan, who is a protege of Dr. Dave Ablock, who's been doing this for 15 plus years, and she trains people. There's Hanny at Canama High Performance. Um, myself, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, there's... There's a lot of fantastic people. Um, there's um, Anthony Moore who's doing his PhD in the UK. There's so many, and, and that's just my circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are people who, who can teach this. Now, what I see the difference is, you know, as a physical therapist and as a dancer, is I've been, um, I've been through the education system of learning how to break down movement joint by joint 
literally individual toes, what it does, how the big toe rotates or moves when you do something. And so when I look at the body, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a joint by joint approach to each and every motion that I can actually see and almost feel exactly what that person's feeling if they're doing it right or if they're doing it wrong, if they're activating the the muscles that we want to activate or not. Um, So, you know, in, in, the, the long run, yes, by using this as a tool, you will get to optimal function, probably even better than when you came in. However, you do need to have that um, understanding or awareness and also the internal awareness of what that feels like, not just relying on the external source to tell you flex here, bend here, get your chest up, which we all need. But what does that feel like inside of our body? What does that feel like when our weight is in the forefoot versus the heel? How does that change my back? How does that change my my lower abdominal area, my core? How does that change, you know, my posture? Just understanding these things are sometimes the first things that I need to teach in physical therapy is how can we become a little more internal and understand what's going on in our physical bodies before we just rely on external cues? It sounds the first therapy session with you would be absolutely mentally exhausting <laughs> trying to trying to uh, read our bodies. Uh, you know, when you talk about actual movements of the toe and the foot, and I just think that I'd be more mentally exhausted than physically by the time I got out of there. I, I try. I tr- um, I'm definitely aware of that. And I try to like, I, I break it down. Like I'm giving you everything right now, but I do break things down in small digestible components. Actually, the first thing going back to the breath, the first thing I teach probably 80% of my clients are how to breathe. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's just paying attention to the breath. And uh, that's been something I've been getting into um, again, uh, lately more and into the science of it. And it makes such a difference. Who are your clients, generally speaking? Um, I have um, the the, the weekend warriors. Yes, injured. Many of my clients are, so in Toronto, I had firefighters, a lot of firefighters, people who just wanted to stay active. Right now, I see a lot of CrossFitters um, and and they're, you know, lawyers, doctors, uh, stay-at-home moms, uh, nurses, um, all kinds. I have... uh, former professional athletes. Um, I, I do, I was before COVID seeing professional athletes, but that has since stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple A-list actors out here, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, so a, a whole gambit, but usually pretty much people gravitate towards me, people who want to um, maintain a healthy, active lifestyle and optimize their health, whatever that means to them. Can you take away any of the in-gym practice at home or does it always have to be in the gym? Does not always have to be in the gym. Um, The gym is somewhere, just like in my acrobatics, it makes me more powerful and stronger for my acrobatics. Being in the gym and moving in the gym is nothing different than how you should move and live at home. So um, climbing stairs, for example, is an, it's a step up. It's a split squat, you know, um, lean forward, get your chest up, get your weight in the middle of the foot. Don't be back in the heels, push off the front leg. Don't push off the back leg. A lot of people realize that they actually push off their back leg. They don't even use their front leg when they're climbing stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're bending down to get something, 
use use appropriate technique because you know the repeated sitting that people do they're, they're not going to hurt themselves sitting they're going to hurt themselves when they bend over to pick up that kleenex so um moving at home even rotational movements um just simple things that they can do in the home as sort of like warm-ups or just taking breaks and and understanding you know if they're going to be gardening how can i squat down how can i make this more effective for me so i'm not going to be uh damaging something um but there's definitely when when you move in the gym and what you're doing in the gym even if it's bodybuilding you're strengthening your body to be better at what you have to do in life. Hmm. Now, do you work in nutrition plans with that or are you strictly on the physical part? I I do do nutrition. Um, That's a a big part of this trifecta. Nutrition, when people say nutrition is 80%, I sometimes say it's 90 or 100%. Like if you have good nutrition, it's beyond just looking good. I've been fortunate enough to work with elite biochemists and clinical nutritionists. Um, and uh, it's, it's really allowed me to learn a lot about the biochemistry. So uh, Dr. Lisa Regan, who's an exercise endocrinologist, um, PhD and uh, clinical nutritionist and certified uh, clinical nutritionist and biochemist has taught me so much more about the blood work and what, fascia what happens to the fascia when you have good nutrition so people who are dehydrated um, maybe very acidic conditions consuming a lot of sugar not drinking enough water consuming a lot of meat not enough vegetables it literally changes their blood chemistry changes their fascia changes their muscles when i put my hands on people like this their bodies don't move the same way Um, and often i see they're more susceptible to things like frozen shoulder um, arthritic conditions, inflammatory conditions. And so nutrition is a huge component. I, I remember I had, um, I had a client, um, uh, type one diabetic and all I told him to do was drink warm water and his pain went down by like 40%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, so nutrition is a huge component. It is. Um, and you, you bring up the fascia and all that we've, we've had guests on talking about uh, fascia and how and the importance of it. And, and you do some, you do some work with fascia too. I guess that would be a whole other show as we're coming to the end of this. Very, very interesting. Everyone, just to let you know, we, we kind of, um, Tiana and I kind of had a different idea as we we're coming into the show. We're going to talk about concussions and things like that, but this is just fascinating stuff. And I think um, to bring it to the forefront, I think when you're talking about getting women into the gym and understanding movement. Um, it's so important. It's really, really important. And it the way that you're doing it and the way you're describing it is doable for everybody because you're you're painting a picture not of a of a body type uh, in appearance. It's a physicality of it, which is a very, very big difference. Um, and, and, you know, I think we have these ideas of these bodybuilders who, who really go into deficit as they're training and, and the, every ripple. This is not what you're doing. You are using this um, type of exercise to strengthen people, to help them in everyday life. So thank you so much. I've learned so much from you. It's been a great, great treat to have you on the show, Tiana. Thank you so much, Kathy. Yeah. And, you know, one more thing that to say about like the, the lifting ladies, don't be afraid to lift weights. I lift as heavy as I can. And even at the level that I'm lifting at, I can't put on as big muscle, like 
crazy muscle mass. So don't be afraid to lift weights. It definitely helps maintain your function. I've had uh, such a great time being able to talk about this and what I love to do. So thank you so much for having me, Kathy. Oh, my pleasure. Now, where can people reach out to you if they want to follow you or get in touch? Yeah. Um, so I have, I have a website, which is actually being rebuilt, but there is a website up right now because I'm, I'm uh, morphing it into more of a specific uh, for women. It's called femsante.org. So F as in Frank, E-M-M-E-S as in Sam, A-N-T-E.org. So femsante. You're using like your French, uh, your French background. French. Yeah. And so there's some, that's sort of like my business card, or they can reach out on Instagram at the Tiana Ringer. Um, so at either website or Instagram, and there's uh, ways to contact me there. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really have enjoyed it. And everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.